Okay, well, you guys, we have been going through the book of Acts, and I am going to be finishing the book of Acts today. So we're going to jump in at chapter 27, and, um, and so let's, let's just jump right in. Uh, the, the journey continues. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramidium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. I feel very loud to myself. Um, the next day, we landed at Sidon and Julius in kindness to Paul. Thank you very much, Jason. <clears throat> and allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. Man, just in this first paragraph, aren't you glad that we use, you know, diesel motors now <laughs> as opposed to just the wind? Wow. Okay. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. And we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Canidus. And when the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmon, and we moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. But the centurion, instead of listening to Paul what uh, had said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. And when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, and so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and it could not head into the wind, and so we gave way to it and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of the small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, and so the men hoisted aboard. And then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Can you imagine? You're like, we better tie this baby down. It's going to come apart. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of, of Sirtis. And they lowered the sea anchor and they let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days... And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. So it's like the original, I told you so. <laughs> so for those of you who your mama said, don't do that. I don't know, Paul did it. You should have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong 
and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. And when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land, they took soundings and they found that the water was 120 feet deep. And a short time later, they took soundings again and they found that it was 90 feet deep. And fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left the light boat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. And Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. And so the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat, and they let it drift away. I want to pause for a moment right there. You see what was going on there? They had the word of the Lord. Their lives are being spared. But there's a group of them that are, they, they, they go, well, okay, we have the word of the Lord. But they got to thinking, didn't they? And they're like, well, you know what? Actually, what do you say we just get in the lifeboat and try this other side hustle instead? As I was preparing this, I, I felt a, 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 um, an emphasis on this. I don't know who this is, and I don't, but you know who you are. You have the word of the Lord. You know what he said that he was going to do in your life. Cut the ropes to that lifeboat. Stay in the ship with the word of the Lord. Do what he has told you to do. Yes, it may seem like this other cute opportunity is a shortcut for you. But you need to cut the ropes and let that lifeboat go. And if that's you, I want you to just, between you and the Lord, you can just say, I receive it. And then just let it go. The word of the Lord will come to pass, guys. The word of the Lord over your life will come to pass. Amen? Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and you've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. Come on. So when you're in restaurants, before you eat, break the bread and give thanks to the Lord. Amen? Here it is in the Bible. Am I loosely applying it? Yes, I am. (laughs) Then he broke it and he began to eat. And they were all encouraged and they ate some food themselves. And altogether there were 276 of us on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. And when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, and at the same time they untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and they made for the beach, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and it would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. These guys cannot catch a break. I mean, isn't it amazing? Here's the word of the Lord, but boy, every single obstacle is still coming at them. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those 
who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And in this way, everyone reached land safely. Come on. Isn't that beautiful? Now, chapter 28 is fulfilled with Paul making it to stand before Caesar. And he spends the next couple of years free to preach the gospel, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, as is his custom. And then he goes on and he gives testimony of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, having come and having to fully come until he is then given a honorable death of a martyr. And uh, as tradition holds it, I checked in with our resident theologian, um, Mrs. Riggs, and uh, tradition has it he was beheaded. Kind of a wild end of a story there, right? But he fulfilled everything that God had told him he would fulfill, and he preached the gospel to Caesar. And he shared the kingdom, and he ran a good race. And we know in other letters he says before he passes, my race is run. I have run a good race. I press on now to receive the crown that is mine in Christ. What a beautiful picture of the fulfillment of what God called Paul to do. And we know that when we are present before the Lord, we're going to get to talk to the Apostle Paul about all of this. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be fun to be able to tell Paul how encouraged we've been by reading his letters? Think about the things that he had to go through to get to the point of what he did, the way that he suffered, the way that he was encouraged by the Lord, the way that he continued to be faithful. And we're all encouraged by that. And we get to high-five Paul and literally say, like, dude, I love this letter that you sent. I loved it when you said it this way. Isn't that amazing? This is part of our heritage, part of the great cloud of witnesses. But the word of the Lord came to pass. And as we, as we examine this, these last chapters of, of Paul, I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to share a couple of thoughts in regard to what we see in this final voyage. And, and I, I, I love this. There were... 276 souls on that boat, in that boat with Paul. There were 276. And those guys, it says here, in fact, that they, they went with the majority. They went with what seemed like a good idea. There was some fair wind. The, uh, the circumstances seemed like a great idea. They took a vote, and everybody's like, that seems amazing. But Paul had the word of the Lord. He said, gentlemen, we should not do this. It will end in disaster. But they didn't, they didn't want the word of the Lord. So Paul says, all right, we'll have at it. I mean, it wasn't Paul's decision. It was Paul's decision to be forthright and bold to share the word of the Lord. But he didn't have the power to make them do it, did he? And so they pressed forward. They took a vote and they pressed forward. The majority agreed this was a great idea. And what happened? Disaster happened. And so Paul cursed them all and said, what do I care? I'm just going to die and that will teach you. No, he did not do that at all, did he? He continued to follow after the word of the Lord because he knew this is what God has promised I'm going to do. I'm going to stand before Caesar to share as a witness of what God has done through Jesus Christ, fulfilling every scripture. Amen? And look at what happens. I, I love this. In, in uh, Let's see, in verses 13 through 26, um, uh, taking up this section... But now I urge you, this is when everything is going wrong. They're getting, I love this. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. 
You've got seasoned sailors whose living is made shipping things. And this storm is so bad that they're like, look, we don't care about making a profit on this voyage. We'll come home and be broke. At least we'll be alive. This is a major thing. And as they're doing this, they, it, says, it says this, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. How many of you have ever been in that place? The storm is raging all around you. You're looking around and all you can see is nothing. And you give up hope. And it's in that moment, they're going without food. And in that moment, Paul comes with the word of the Lord for the men that are in the boat with him. And he says this, men... First, he gives him a little dig. You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. <laughs> he says, "But then, because then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now, but now I urge you, keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong. I love that. An angel of the God to whom I belong. I belong. The God to whom I belong. You belong. There's a God to whom you belong, isn't there? There's a God to whom we belong, isn't there? And that God spoke and he said something. He says this. To whom I belong and whom I serve, he stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Now, this has happened before in the story. We just talked about this a couple weeks ago, that Paul already has the word of the Lord, but God in his goodness, who is God with us, amen, Emmanuel, God with us, stays with Paul, and he doesn't just leave him in the storm and say, hey, have faith, Paul, you're on your own, buddy, hold fast, see you later. No, he's with him, and in the midst of the storm, he stands behind, beside him and says to him, do not be afraid, Paul. I don't know what storm that you're in right now, but you have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the Spirit of Christ within you. You have angels assigned to you, and God is with you. God with you. God, Emmanuel, God with us. He's with you, and he's saying, do not be afraid, daughter. Do not be afraid, son. I am with you. Can you receive that? You must stand before Caesar and then listen to these words that he says to the 276 in this boat. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. I don't know about you guys, but I, I had the Lord at one point rebuke me. It's always good to get up here. And I always have such a great opportunity to confess my sins because you guys come here and listen. And then I'm just like, oh, well, now's a good time to confess. It'd be nice maybe if you'd come and confess to me now and then, but I'll just lead by example. But I was praying because I've been really frustrated with, uh, with some of the decisions that our leaders have been making. And, and so I go to the Lord when I'm really frustrated about those kinds of things. And so I was coming to him and I was, I was praying, Father, I was lamenting. I was, I was travailing. I was doing all of the intercessory words that I knew, mostly just whinging to him. But I was asking for his help. And the Lord stopped me and he said, Joshua, I care about all these things that you're praying about. They're very important to me. And, and I, too, am glad that you're praying about those. However, you are praying very little to me about the thing that I care most about. And that is that I desire that none should perish, but all should receive eternal life. I desire 
that men and women would live forever with me because they're my children and I love them. And you keep coming to me and praying because you're worried that they don't understand how to work in a kingdom that they won't even be able to see unless they're born again. You're not asking that they be born again. You're asking that they'd act like they're born again. And I said, Lord, you are right and I am wrong. And I just began to remember who I am and who he is. And, I, and I've been, I have changed the way that I've been praying. But isn't this, doesn't this just make you think of that? It's that same spirit. He says, he says, and God has graciously, the angel of the Lord comes to Paul. Now, listen to the words. He says, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you, Paul, the lives of all who sail with you. Now, that would seem to me that Paul was saying, Lord, these people didn't listen but I'm asking that you would spare their lives. We're in the middle of a storm because of decisions they made. I'm not cursing them. I'm asking that you would save their lives, God. Because the answer from the Lord is an answer, and it seems to be answering a question, a prayer from Paul, because we know that Paul's life was that all would be saved. Paul's life was that he would take the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles. His life was that none should perish, but all should receive eternal life through Christ Jesus. Amen? And Jesus sends the angel of the Lord to Paul and says, Paul, I have graciously given you every life on board in this ship. They're not going to die. And you know why, Paul? Because you prayed for them. And you know why else? Because you're in the same boat they are. Saints, who's in the boat with you? Who's in your boat? You might be in calm waters. You might be in stormy waters. But you're in a boat. You're in a boat because God placed you. It says that God puts us in certain times and seasons and places for his purposes that we would do the good works that we were created to do in Christ Jesus. Amen? We are predestined in Christ to do good works that Christ wants to accomplish. You have an assignment you're in a boat. You have a word from the Lord for a sphere of influence, an area where you work and live and breathe and serve and dwell. And there are people around you. And you know what? Because you're in the boat, they should be blessed. Do you hear me? So who's in your boat? You and I are carrying the authority to bless. We're going to go deeper into this as we go into this next series. But you and I, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are salt and light. We are safety and peace because Christ is in us. The kingdom is in us. And so when we get into any boat, the kingdom just got in the boat. And all of a sudden, the storms don't have the power to kill us. Because Christ is in the boat with us. And you know what? The collateral blessing. I want you to say that word. Say collateral blessing. <laughs> See, in the world, there's collateral damage. But in the kingdom, there's collateral blessing. When Joseph went into Potiphar's house, everything about that was messed up. But Potiphar couldn't help but prosper because the man of God was in his house. Are you with me? When Esther was there, people were blessed because she was there. 
Are you with me? We're the people of God. And we bring a collateral blessing. We bring the gracious answer of the Lord for those who are in our sphere, who are in our boat. And God's word will bring you to the destination that he has shared that you will go to. But all the while, I'll tell you this. Listen to this. He says, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Do you remember the God to whom you belong and whom you serve? And if you do remember the God to whom you belong, are you currently serving him? You might be in a boat, and you might be a whole lot more influenced by the other people in the boat than you are by the God whom you serve. And if that's you, you just took communion. It's a fresh start. Let the Spirit of God refresh you and turn you back into salt and light. Amen? But you have the power to bless those around you. You are a vessel of peace. I remember I walked into a Starbucks one time, and I was just like, just walking around. And I thought, I want to go to Starbucks. And so I just walked in, and I said, good morning, how are you? And the lady goes, you have the most kind eyes. And I said, thank you. And we just had a short conversation. You guys, I am wonderfully handsome. <laughs> and... I, I am. I, gravity is slowly humbling me, but I started. But guys, they're hazel. And they just, in the, in the right light, you can see the little, they're green with little flecks. Karen Louise Cipher saw me and had to have me. I rest my case. I rest my case. She is that vain. I must be amazing. <laughs> but here's the thing. She saw Christ in my eyes. She saw the reflection of the one to whom I was with that day. And she was drawn to it. She happened to be in the boat that I was in, and she saw a glimpse of Jesus. It's not because of those other things that I joked about. <laughs> she was in the boat, and she, she received a collateral blessing. I, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they, the ministry, one of the ministries the Lord gave them is that they're, they, um, they have properties. And one of their tenants called them out of the blue. And as they were sharing, they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, these calls always come at the worst times. If anybody here uh, has property rentals, it's always Thanksgiving, Christmas, the date with your wife, I mean, or husband. You know, it's just, it's like the worst. So, anyway, they get this call, and they're thinking, oh, no. And, and uh, the tenant gets on there, and it's a couple that's renting from them. And, and she says, hey, I needed to talk to you. So they're bracing, like, oh, boy, what is it now? Sewer main, you know? <laughs> like, is, it, is it a water heater? Like, this sounds, it's probably HVAC. That's going to be expensive. And they said, will you pray for me? Me and my husband just had a really big fight, and I don't know who else to talk to but I know you pray. Will you pray for us? And so they just prayed with them. They're in their boat. And when their marriage is having a hard time, they called their landlord. Why? Because the God to whom they belong and serve has granted that they would receive life. And they know where that life is coming from. They don't know. They're not there yet but they're in the right boat. Are you with me? 
If they're near you, they're in the right boat. Amen? And God's heart, you guys, is what? What is God's desire? What is it? Yeah, that none should perish, but all would have everlasting life. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Now, we're serving in the schools, and we're blessing the teachers, and we're praying for our leaders, and we're voting, and we're reading, and we're studying, and we're talking, and we're debating, and we're doing the right thing, and we're building businesses, and we're loving our neighbors. Amen? Amen? But you know what? They need to hear about Jesus. Okay? Because those are all good works, and they buy you equity. But that equity is so that when that moment comes and they ask you, why are your eyes so beautiful? And you say, that's a funny question, but I can answer it. It's because, no, it's because of Jesus. It's the hope. You're seeing the hope that I have. You're seeing the hope that I have. I can show you kindness because I've received kindness. I'm right because he's right. And you happen to be in the boat with me. And God has granted that you don't have to perish, but you can have eternal life. Who's in your boat? Now, I want to finish with this. Every part of Acts, every aspect of Acts is only possible because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said... I want you to go into the world, and I want you to be a witness to them of what I've done, right, of what you've seen. However, wait, makes me think of that walk sign, right? You always hear it, you push the button, wait, 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 until you have received this Holy Spirit, power from on high, and then you will become my witnesses. Walk, walk. Okay? We have, to be, we have to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul, we know, says in another place, he says, he says it in an interesting way in the Greek. It's, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is an ongoing, consistent need to be filled with the presence and the peace of God. Believe you me, I have gone into Starbucks's, Starbucks's, St. Artbucks's, Starbucks's. Anyway, I've been in there, and people did not say I had kind eyes. There are days where I forgot to take the time to become aware of the presence and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and people were not getting collateral blessings by being in my boat. It was something else. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit daily, sometimes many times a day, and it's not some... It's not, you guys, it's not just emotional. It certainly is emotional, but it's certainly more than that. It's the power and the presence of God himself so that in the midst of the storm we can say to those around us, the word of the Lord will prevail. I, I just spoke with him. We're going to be okay. But it's important we stay in the boat. And they look at you and they go, everybody else here is terrified for their life. Let's trust the guy who's filled with hope. And is at peace and is saying, guys, I thank the Lord for this food. And now I'm going to begin to eat it. And they go, you know what? <laughs> this guy's got something. All right? That's what we're called to do. But it's only possible through the presence 
of the Holy Spirit. I want to do two things as we close today. One, I would like all of the elders and home group leaders to please come to the front right now. And then I'm going to pray over us generally. And then for those of you that would just say, like, you know what? I'm an RV. I've got a 100-gallon tank, and I don't remember the last time I put gas in this thing. I think I have three gallons in the bottom of this tank. Are you guys with me? An RV is a recreation vehicle. Big vehicle. (laughs) Big tank. I'm not saying you're a big person. I'm saying your tank is very low. And you just need to, like... Has anybody ever been in a big rig where there's only like one gallon left in the tank and you're like in a big hurry and they're just, and you're going, this is taking forever. Why? Because that tank was empty. That might be you. You might just be, you're doing a great job. You're on it. The more miles you put on it, the more fuel you burn, right? It's not wrong that your tank got empty. You just might take a little while while somebody just, take some time to ask that the Lord would refill you. And that's what the team's here today. They're going to take as long as you need to just pray over you, that the Lord would refresh you, that the Lord would refire you, that he would refine you, that he would refuel you, and that you would be, again, someone who brings a collateral blessing out of the peace and the presence of God. Amen? And for all of us, I want to ask for those of you that would desire this morning, just, Lord, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want you to stand, and I want to pray for you. And then afterwards, if you want that, that deep fuel thing I was talking about, then you're free to come on up, and we will stay as long as you want. Lord Jesus, we're here today because it's your kindness that's led us to repentance. We heard the good news of who you are, and the goodness of our Father whose heart was broken when Satan stole us from his family, when he tricked us and lied to us, when he kept us far from. And Father, you sent Jesus to come and to show us what your love is like, what your character is like, what your devotion to us, your adoration for us looks like. And you brought us here, and we're so glad to be here. We're so excited for your kindness, and how many times you just totally forgive us because your desire is that we would be with you and you're willing to invest in us an entire lifetime if we just choose you. That's what you want from us is to choose you and you, you form Christ in us and we, we're here for that reason too. So having received that grace, having believed in your goodness, we stand before you right now with no illusions, Lord, that apart from you, we honestly, we can't do anything. We've certainly tried. And so in obedience, we ask, Lord, fill us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. That we would be witnesses of your love. That we would be witnesses that you are with us that we would be able to share about the things that we've seen, that we've experienced, that we've received, God. We want to serve people. Yes, we want to serve people, but we want them to know you, Jesus. We don't want them to know that we used to be a jerk and now we're kind of nice. 
that's for us. For them, we want them to know you. And we want to know you. And Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can open the eyes of our understanding. You're the only one that can give us life. The only one that can raise us up out of a sin nature into our new nature of Christ. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh. I'm just going to pray in the Spirit for a moment, and then I'm going to bless you. In every place where we've tried to witness without you, Lord, we just abandon that track. In every area where we've tried to work in our own strength, Lord, we set it aside and see it as foolishness. In every place where we were confident in ourselves rather than you, we set it aside. And we say, Lord, we are reliant, dependent, and delighted to trust in you alone. Oh, Lord. Baptize us afresh in your fire, even according to the words of Jesus Christ. Glorify yourself in every aspect of our lives. We receive you, Holy Spirit. Teach us to pray. Teach us to think. Teach us how to read the word. Teach us about the Father and the Son and about your very self. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the Anointed One. And the believers said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Go bless the people in your boat. For those of you that want more, please, please come. We cannot wait to serve you.